0: I think that after hearing that, it would be a good thing for us to say amen. If you believe that, do you believe he's a faithful God? Do you believe he does all the things he says in that song, which is from the word of God, by the way, um, all throughout the scripture, but especially in Lamentations chapter 3? He is a faithful God. Let's uh, look at his faithfulness this morning through the life and ministry of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, as we continue uh, to go through the life of Jesus, as Mark uh, penned it uh, from the testimony, not only of his own testimony, but mostly through the testimony of the Apostle Peter, Um, as Mark was one of um, Peter's um, most faithful assistants and attendants uh, throughout his ministry as an apostle, as a church planner, as a preacher of the gospel. And everything that Peter, and then through Peter Mark, says all came through the ministry of the Lord Jesus himself. And so here we see Jesus in the last week of his earthly life, remember how that week started, coming into Jerusalem triumphantly, uh, seated on the colt of a donkey, the, the, many of the people of Israel shouted praise to him, waved um, palm branches, put their coats and cloaks on the road to cut down the dust, just treated him with great respect and great honor and praised his name. And so that's how the week started. That week was headed toward the cross. And so everything that took place from that moment of welcoming him to Jerusalem until the cross was his preparation uh, for that moment when he was going to die for our sins. And in the midst of that week, we, f- we find in the Gospel of Mark a lot of recording of opposition to Jesus by the religious leaders of the Jews. While they should have joined the people of Jerusalem that were praising him coming into town, the leaders of the Jews did not praise him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't respect him. They didn't honor him. And they wanted to kill him. And so, as we've been going through the um, the, the 11th and 12th chapters and we're seeing this opposition, this morning we're going to look at a section where another group of leaders of the Jews, religious leaders of the Jews, called the Sadducees, try to trick and, and try to trap Jesus in his words, again, finding ways to try to kill him. Starting the reading this morning from Mark chapter 12, verse 18. Mark 12, 18. Then the Sadducees, again, these one, one group of leaders, Um, of the Jews, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. And they were correct in saying that. That comes from Deuteronomy 25. Verse 20. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without, having any ch- without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? And then now you just have to imagine this. After they, they posed their question, then they were slapping high fives and chest bumping and saying, answer that. Proof that there's no resurrection. Because they had heard Jesus speak. And the Pharisees, the other, another big group of the leaders of the Jews, they believed in the resurrection, and so they were trying to shut them down too. So they made their point. They were proud of themselves, and then Jesus does as he always does when he's being um, fought, shouldn't fight against him. They should have learned that by listening to all the other things that he said, but here's what he says. Jesus replied, verse 24, are you not in error Because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses in the account of the bush, the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. Now, Jesus is doing a lot right here. First, he's answering their sick question. Because remember, they weren't asking for information. They're asking to 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 belittle him. They're asking to to make a fool out of him. They're they're asking to trap him, and he won't be trapped. He won't be made a fool of. And so he answers the question according to the scripture. Now the Sadducees only believed that the first five books, the books of the first five books called the Torah of Moses, they were the only uh, real scripture. So everything that they that they um, taught was based on those first five books. So Jesus goes right to those first five books, brings the answer to them from those books. Now, in in saying this, Jesus has not only defended himself and his honor and the truth, he's also upholding the truth of the Old Testament. Remember that. In these days, a lot of people are belittling the Old Testament. Don't listen to any of that. Listen to what Jesus says. He bases his life and his ministry and his promises on on the, on the things that he said in the Old Testament. That's right. He said them in the Old Testament. And so he goes right back to Genesis to answer their question. So one of the things we learn here is Jesus' opinion of the Old Testament. Great thing to learn. Great thing to remember. As people try to put it down, as people try to say it's not important, it doesn't matter if it's true or not, say, yeah, it does. Just look what Jesus said about it. Because most people who say those things don't know this, all right? They heard somebody else say it, made them feel good, made them feel like they had some knowledge, they've never looked into it. Just look and see what Jesus says about it. And he uses it all the time, constantly. In this case, again, he's upholding the truth of his word. But he's also teaching us something about marriage. Not just about the, the truth of the Old Testament. He's teaching us a truth about marriage. Now this is very very disappointing especially to engaged couples all right older married couples aren't aren't bothered that much by this truth but engaged couples are really bummed out when they find out that their marriage to Mr or Miss Wright is not going to last forever okay now it lasts it's supposed to last as long as this life lasts that's true but after this life is over so is the marriage. All right, now, that doesn't mean, and I'm sorry for this for some of you, it doesn't mean you're not going to know him or her. All right? We're still going to have relationships, but we're not going to have the kind of relationships that we have now. And marriage is is one of those that won't be the same. Now, that does not belittle the importance of marriage. Jesus, Jesus was very clear about that. The apostles were very clear about that. Marriage is an incredibly important relationship In this life, incredibly important. It's one, in fact, in in Ephesians chapter 5, we won't turn to it right now, but it's one that, that God uses to help explain his relationship to us. A Christian's marriage, two Christians who are married are supposed to be painting a picture of the love of Christ for his people and the respect and honor of the church, his people, for Christ. That's what a marriage is supposed to do. A lot of of married couples forget about that and stop recognizing that they have a responsibility in their marriages to represent Christ and his church. And so marriages are are often a mess because they forget those important things. But marriage is very important. The, The Scripture talks a lot about it. But one thing that it's not is eternal. And that helps us focus our, our 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 main emphasis to be on Christ and not on any earthly relationship. We honor God in our marriage, but we do it to honor God. It's not all about us, it's about him. And so Jesus reminding them of this lets us know something very important about marriage. Now, if you're engaged, or about to be engaged, or any of those kind of things,
1: later on it won't
0: bother you as much. All right. Now, just kidding. All right. He also tells us something else. This, he, he fills us in on, on so much information in this one test. A lot of people wonder sometimes about the passage in Genesis chapter 6 that talks about the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. And and some false teachers along the way have said, oh, that's angels coming down and marrying women. Jesus answers that question right here too. Angels don't do that. They're not that kind of being to engage in that kind of relationship. So another thing that Jesus threw in for free as he was answering this question and passing this test. But the most important thing, with all those other things being mentioned, and even though this question started out about marriage, it's really about the resurrection. Because remember, these Sadducees are trying to prove to Jesus and the Pharisees and the people of Israel that there is no resurrection. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? A lot of people today wish there wasn't a resurrection too. A lot of people today wish there wasn't something after this life because they don't want to be held accountable for the things that they're doing in this life. And they don't want to believe that it would have anything to do with something that happens afterwards. Well, here Jesus shuts that whole line of thinking down as well. And he lets us know that there is life after death, it does last forever and there is a way for us to know where and how we and who we are going to be spending that eternal life with and so he answers the question specifically with the statement that God made to Moses at the burning bush before Moses led the children out of Israel this is where Moses was called into action and he says I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Jesus says this about the Father. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. You who don't believe in the resurrection, you're badly mistaken. And you're also missing life. In our class today, and you've heard, you've heard a number of people mention the, uh, the children, youth, and adult Bible studies that take place at 930, again, I want to commend them to you. Be a part of one of those studies. Um, in our class this morning, we talked about this life where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. People who don't believe in the resurrection, who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are not only badly mistaken, they are missing out on life. They only think they're living now. Wait until they find out what life without their sins hanging on them is like. Wait until they find out what life without the fear of death is like. Because even the people who say there's no resurrection, who say there's no afterlife they are still afraid of what's going to happen when they die it's ingrained in us we're born with that god gives us that gift that that somehow knowledge that there's something coming afterwards and until we find out what's coming afterwards and how we can make sure that we're going to be taken care of well during that time we're not living But once we know the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, once we know that our sins are forgiven, once we know that we are going to be welcomed into eternal life to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself in all the glory of God with all those who have gone before us and those who will come after us, until we know our destination for eternity, we can't really live. And in Jesus' description, in answering to their question, his description Of the resurrection is a description based on relationships. He's the God of Abraham, a man. God has a relationship with Abraham. God has a relationship with Isaac. God has a relationship with Jacob. God has a relationship with everybody who believes in him. That's how it starts. That's how it continues, and that's how it will be forever. And so this statement on the resurrection is a critical one for us to understand, a critical one for us to believe, a critical one for us to focus our lives on. They were badly mistaken. We need to remember the resurrection of the body. We need to remember, not only is Jesus' resurrection from the dead important, it's the most important, but something happens because of his resurrection. He made the promise that everyone who believes in him will, like him, be resurrected from the dead. There is coming a day When we will die. Pretty basic statement. Something we don't like to think about. Something we like to talk about. But it's a reality. Everybody that was in this story that we're reading about this morning, long gone. Their day has come and gone. These Sadducees who said there was no resurrection, they know better now. They were badly mistaken in this life, and now in their eternity, they know better. Hopefully, and probably, some of them put their trust in Christ, if not on this particular day, sometime later after his own resurrection, after his own uh, working of miracles during his time of resurrection on this earth. Maybe through the the testimony of the apostles. We don't know. Hopefully, some of them came to to faith in Christ and believed in Jesus the resurrection and the life. That's that's what Jesus called himself one day in John chapter eleven. He was so emphatic on this subject, and that may be what the Sadducees were referring back to, how they knew he believed in the resurrection. Because at his friend Lazarus' funeral, or just before it, when he was comforting Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not only did he believe in it, he believed he was it. He believed that it was through his resurrection that everybody who believed in him was also going to be resurrected. That's what he meant when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, many people don't know that Jesus said all this stuff. They don't know what he said about himself. A lot of people just like to think, well, didn't Jesus tell us just to get along? No. No. He does want us to get along. He does want us to love each other. And he wants us to love those who don't know Christ. And he wants them to know that he's real because of the way we love each other as they watch that. It's very important that we love each other. And he believed in it firmly. And he did it. The greatest example, the greatest expression of his love is that symbol right there. That's how much he loved. And that's how much he wants us to love. But he didn't. Not tell the truth just so that he could get along with people. He didn't change his message for these Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection just so their feelings wouldn't be hurt because they believed something that was wrong. No, he told them the truth, and then he finished it with saying, you're badly mistaken. Not just somewhat mistaken. Not just a little bit wrong. You're badly mistaken. You're going to miss out on what... I have prepared for you for all eternity because of your pride. Get over yourselves, Sadducees. Listen to what I'm telling you. There is a resurrection. You can be in it. Oh Well, in essence, you're going to be in it one way or the other. Because the other side of of the resurrection of believers is the resurrection of those who don't believe. And his word is very clear that in the final judgment... Those whose names are not written in the book of life in glory, in the presence of God, they are going to be separated from God and His glory for all eternity. It's a very sobering thought. And that's why He didn't hold back with these Sadducees. They were badly mistaken, they were misleading the children of Israel, but they were also misleading themselves. They were also not preparing themselves for what was going to happen to them for eternity. Eternity is real. Eternity is coming. We need to be ready for it. Well, Jesus was helping us ready for that on this particular day when he answered the question of these Sadducees. And so it's important for us this morning. To think about the resurrection and our own lives. And as we do that, we recognize and remember that the resurrection of believers is based on a relationship. Remember what he says He is the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, He is the God of individuals. Oh, he's the God of, of, of larger groups of people, the children of Israel. He's the God of Midway Community Church. But more specifically, he is the God of individuals within Midway Community Church who have a relationship with him, a relationship that is based on faith, believing that, that what his word says about him and what he says about himself in his word is true. And the moment... We believe that he is the son of God, that he did die on the cross for our sins, that he did rise again to give us eternal life as well through the forgiveness of our sins. The moment we believe that, we enter into a relationship that he might be called the God of fill-in-the-blank, the God of Dean, the God of Isaac. Oh, Wait a minute, you're in the Bible anyway. Huh? The God of David. No, David's in the Bible too. Um, the God of John. Uh, he's, he's in the Bible, not, you know. Whatever your name is, whatever your name is, if you believe, you have entered into a relationship to where your name could be in that same line of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because he is a God who works through a personal relationship. When we put our trust in him, we become, according to John chapter 1, verse 12, the children of God. You see, most of the Sadducees, most of the Pharisees, most of the people of Israel didn't believe in him. But John 1:12 says this, But those who received him, there were some that did. And then it says this, Those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a relationship. Just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were children of God. And and when you read their stories, you'll be amazed at what children of God look like. They look a lot like children of God. They're real people. Somebody in our class this morning, when thinking about some of the children of God from these days, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob days, said, I'm encouraged that even if I don't get it today, there's still there's still hope for me. And he's right. They were, he, that person is right. Because God has patience with his children, just as parents have patience with their children. Now, earthly parents have varying degree of patience with their children. And God, remember, God's patience also runs out. We see that also from Old Testament texts. The whole reason that Israel was given the the promised land wasn't just to give them a place to live, it was also because his patience had run out with the Canaanites who were living in the promised land, and it was time for judgment on them. That was was one of the reasons, even the primary reason, of the children of Israel taking that land. But God's patience is long. And that's proven by us still being here this morning. And us having another opportunity to continue to grow in our relationship with him so that our lives... Can be a witness, a statement, a testimony of what it looks like to have a relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. People need to see this relationship. The Sadducees didn't understand this. They were badly mistaken. They had missed the most important truth of the whole Testament that God is God of the living. He gives life to all who have relationship with him through his son. And in the Old Testament, his son was called the Messiah as they were looking forward to his coming. In the New Testament, we know who he is, Jesus Christ. And so if you don't know him, you're not ready for the resurrection. Get that taken care of. And Jesus took care of it. You just have to believe that. If you're having trouble believing that, look at his word and see what it says. Talk to somebody else who believes it. And let them tell you what he's done in their lives. It will will mimic and match up exactly to what he's done in the lives of those who believe in him in the scripture. But whatever the case, don't put this off. Don't be like the, the Sadducees and challenge Jesus in terms of his truth. He's let you know. He's let you know that if you don't believe in the resurrection from the dead, and if you don't believe in a relationship with God through him, that you're badly mistaken. Take care of that mistake and believe. Believers in Jesus, take advantage of this reminder today from the teaching of Jesus of how important the resurrection is. Not only that you have the resurrection, the promise of resurrection, but to use it in your lives as a motivation to live your life for his glory. Because however long this life is, from less than a day old to over a 100 years old, however long ours is in that period of time, it's going to be a Snap of the finger compared to how long we're going to be in eternity. And so we need to be using this time to do things that will count for eternity because there is a resurrection from the dead. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that in this age, in this era, In this time in history, when so many people are denying the resurrection of the dead, when so many people think they have it figured out another way, we want to thank you that your word, the very words of the Lord Jesus himself, clearly show us that those who say those kinds of things are badly mistaken. And we want to thank you this morning for your word, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We want to thank you for the testimony of Jesus Christ, your son, the one who's been there, who came here and and is back there now, preparing places for us according to your promise. We want to thank you that the resurrection is real and that those of us who believe will have a place in your glory. Help us to use these lives, to live these lives, making a difference for those who still haven't heard or those who still haven't believed, for those who are still denying that you exist or that the resurrection from the dead is real. Father, we pray that you'd be at work in their lives as we relate to them, as we share with them, as we tell our stories to them. We pray that you'd be at work in their lives, even as you were working ours when others were telling us that they also might come to know you in a personal way. And, Father, there are maybe some who don't know you in a personal way here this morning or, or on, our, um, on our Internet stream Father, help them to realize that today they could put their trust in you and have everything for eternity taken care of because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. But, Father, that also means that everybody who believes in him does come to you and has a relationship with you. And we thank you for that this morning. We pray that you would work in our lives, that you would remind us and help us remind each other of the wonderful resurrection that we have to look forward to because of Jesus Christ, your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.